Well, it is great to be with you all today for multiple reasons. First, I just love any time we're together as a church, but more importantly, or specifically, I guess today, is this is the day that we often, with friends and family, celebrate the incarnation of Christ, that God became a human, dwelt among us to seek and to save the lost. What a marvelous reality and truth that is that affects the way that we live every day. Every day it has an impact. Another reason why I'm pleased to be with you and to be preaching today is because we have some of our kids in the service. And as you should well know, kids are not a distraction from the service. They're part of the service. And so we want to welcome them in with us today to sit with us and there might be a little bit more noise or rustling and that's totally okay. We love having our kids with us. There are some handouts in the back. I don't know if the kids have gotten some, um, but there are some handouts and some crayons. If you haven't and your parents are okay with it, you can grab them. They're in the back by the door. And there's a couple of things for you to do for you to draw a picture of maybe what we're talking about today. Or another thing that you can do is fill in the footsteps each time you hear the word celebrate or celebration. That's a key word that we'll be talking about in our sermon today. Each time a child hears that, they can color in one of the footprints. And that's a way for them to be able to stay engaged and and get involved as well. Well, there are many different holiday experiences. And even today, you guys are probably in the midst of very different feelings and emotions. For some, perhaps you have a Christmas party coming today or you uh, were up late celebrating with a Christmas party last night. Family and friends have been gathered around and there's a lot of joy and excitement and fun that comes with that. I know my mom specifically this time of year, she's always got something in the oven it feels like. Uh, around her house where much of the family gathers. We were discussing how there's probably only about a two-hour window where the house is like everybody's asleep uh, because, you know, people are up till about 2, 3 a.m. playing games, and then my mom is back up at 5 a.m. probably preparing dinners. And there's a lot that comes with a holiday experience. There's a lot of joy for many. For others, it can be a sad time. It can be an especially challenging time. Uh, There can be more loneliness. There can be more time apart from family. It can be reminders of uh, perhaps Christmases gone by, people who are lost um, as far as people who have, have passed on, people who have died and are no longer with us. And there can be sadness. And uh, it, it can be an especially difficult time around the holidays. Regardless of where life finds you this morning, we get to come together and discuss the person, to see the person from Scripture that makes life worth living, to see the one who has came down to meet us in our brokenness, to meet us in our sadness and our celebrations, to come to seek and to save us. There has been wickedness, brokenness, sadness, and loneliness since the fall. But many years ago, the all-powerful God, the creator of the universe, humbled himself, was robed in flesh, and became a human. 
so we rejoice. That the God who made man has dwelt among us. He's offered redemption for sin, pain, and brokenness. And he, through his mercy, has given us something to tie our faith to. And so in this passage, we see kind of a scene unfolding roughly 2,000 years ago. There was, there was pain, brokenness, and sadness during this time. There was fears of hostile government takeovers, tyrannical leaders, lawlessness, and whatever else could elicit fear. The things that we are afraid of are, are really the things that they were afraid of, just in different packaging. In the midst of this, there were stories of faithlessness, sadness, and heartache, but there were also stories of victory and joy as we're going to enter into here. And the narrative really starts out at the beginning of Luke 1. After 400 years of silence between the Testaments, we see Luke 1, one of the beginnings of the Gospels, and it enters in with an infertile elderly couple. An unassuming, sad situation. Feel unable to have children. And it was here that we see God enter the scene and, and appear to Zechariah in the, in the temple while he was offering sacrifices and explain that he's going to have a baby. And Elizabeth, his wife, is going to be pregnant. And so we see that scene kind of unfold, and then it, it moves further, and we see Mary, a young virgin girl. And she is also told by Gabriel that she will be having a baby. And for many, this, a 14-year-old girl seeing, or however old she was, but roughly around that age, seeing a vision from God was probably a tricky thing for many reasons. That she would have a baby. There was, there was so much kind of scandal and, and struggle surrounding that circumstance, I'm sure. And it's in the midst of this that where would she go? Perhaps even was sent away, we're not sure. But where would she go in the midst of dealing with this circumstance or working through this, processing things in her mind, but to Elizabeth? a relative who had also heard from an angel. And so she goes to Elizabeth, and it's here we kind of pick up the narrative. It was read in verse 39 as, as she visits with Elizabeth. And we start to see kind of the, this celebration unfold. So in the first seven or eight verses, we see a narrative or, or what's happening. And then beyond that, we see a song of celebration, a song of praise. And so we're just going to ask two questions today, and we'll be brief. It's what led to this celebration, and what did the celebration for Mary look like? So first, what led to this celebration? We see here, uh, as she broke out into song or celebration in the second half of, in the second half of our passage... But it says there's a few different elements. So we have an analytical way that we can look at what led to this celebration, kind of the, the facts of what happened. And so we'll look at that. And then there's also more of just a feeling that we can look at that would lead to this celebration. So first, let's look at this kind of analytical side. What led 
to the celebration. There were three confirmations that Mary had received throughout this passage that led her to rejoice. Three confirmations that the truth of God's word to her was, in fact, true. And so these were very heady, kind of uh, aware things that when she seen them, she would know that God's word to her was true. First of all, it was the angel appearing, and this was right before our passage. The angel appeared to her in verses 26 through 38. Gabriel came to her and said, you're going to have a baby. This was the first time that she had heard this. And so Mary, or, uh, Gabriel appeared to Mary, and he called her a favored one. He explained to her the mind of God that Christ would be born through her. But she doesn't just hear from an angel, because when she goes to visit Elizabeth, she gets another confirmation. It says in verse 41, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. So here, when, when the story was being told to Elizabeth that Jesus would be born, the, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And they kind of both must have seen that or acknowledged that. And it was a confirmation that what was being said was true, that Christ would be born through Mary. So first, it was the angel that they heard it about. Second, it was from the baby leaping in the womb. And the third thing that must have led to her celebration, the confirmation of God's word, to her was Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she began speaking. So now she's, she's heard from the angel. She's seen or, or heard of Elizabeth speak of the baby leaping in her womb. And now Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit starts speaking to her. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And so she gets these three confirmations that tell her exactly what's going to, to happen, that Christ is going to be born through her, and this no doubt must have led to celebration in her heart, that God's word to me is true. And that's what leads to celebration for us today, that God became man for us, and it's the truth of God's word that leads us to celebrate. Regardless of what emotions we may be feeling or the circumstances and challenges of life, which can be difficult, we can find celebration or joy in the fact that we have God's word confirmed to us. That we have seen and get to hear from the mind of God. But then there's just this feeling or this narrative kind of arc or the story of, as, as you're reading the narrative that must have been made aware to Mary and Elizabeth. See, I like to think, as I'm sure Pastor Ken would too, the more romantic view of things, I like to think that Mary was also rejoicing because she had seen firsthand the beauty of what God was doing. That in this, it is evident he cares for the lowly. That God went to the infertile and the lowly regarded and brought about the redemption of the world. God could have appeared to the kings and to the powerful. He could have appeared to the well-esteemed and the mighty. 
But he chose to appear to the lowly, to show himself to the humble, the ones without the means. You know, and in our mind, we would think, let's appear to those who are perhaps most powerful because they could do the greatest amount of good, but that's just not how God worked in this situation. He appeared to the lowly. So I think, as reading this, that, that this was apparent also to Mary and Elizabeth as they broke out, as Mary broke out into celebration. That this was something that, that must have been apparent to them as they spent time together and discussed. That God had appeared to us? To us? Out of all the people, a young virgin girl and an elderly and fertile lady? These were who God had chosen to appear to? That if you are broken and feel lowly today, we can take comfort and celebrate in the fact that God not only cares for you, but he purposed to bring about the redemption of the world through people like you. The humble, the needy, so that's what led to this celebration that we see in the second half of this passage. The truth of God's word being confirmed and the beauty of God's word apparent before them. So what did this celebration look like? Well, we read through what's known as, uh, I believe, the Magnificat. So we read through this um, that Mary had, had sang or pro had proclaimed to the Lord. She said that her soul magnifies the Lord. Her spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. That this celebration of Mary looked like a song of praise to her king. That it was not the most extravagant or the, the biggest uh, evangelistic crusade or um, the, the biggest proclamation. It was what appeared to be a posture of heart that was delighted in God. A realization that she was given far more than she deserved. She was content with God's plan. She was pleased with what God had done. She was finding joy and taking joy in her Savior and what a great example of what we should be doing. What a great example of what we can find joy in. In the midst of all the other things that circle and sway and, and, and point us to all of the pretty things around us. We know that there's something deeper. We can have a posture of heart that is delighted in God. That's a glorious sacrifice that, that our God loves. And it may not seem like much, but a posture of heart that is delighted in God is what he longs for. The celebration of Mary was a time where she reflected both what God had done, and what he had accomplished, and who he is. Because so often what God does is a demonstration or 
or uh, is the outplaying of who he is. And so what he had done for her in verse 48, he had looked on the humble. He had looked to the lowly. He had blessed her for all time. She had been called favored one of God. What a beautiful statement. She acknowledged he had done great things for her. And she pointed to who he is, that he is the mighty one. He is holy. He is powerful enough to bring the mighty down from their thrones. That he fills those who are hungry with good things. That he helps his servants, Israel, and remembers mercy. It reflected on the reality of who he is and what he has done. That can be a danger sometimes in our society with how easy it is to get distracted with the things around us. We can fail to reflect on the beauty of who God is and what he does. But Mary took this time to celebrate, to enjoy. Mary made statements in the middle of her hymn of praise that for now on all generations will call her blessed. Gabriel called her the favored one. But the beauty of God's plan and what can, can really bring this celebration from, from Mary thousands of years ago and can bring it home into the lives of into our lives, into our celebration today, into our Christmas dinners, into our snowy afternoons, is that God did not just favor Mary, but he used Mary to pour out his favor upon all the earth. That Mary was not where the favor ended. It did not end as, as he just gave favor to Mary, but she became then just a conduit for, who, for through her, Christ would be born. And it was through him that all mankind has been favored. It is through him that we are favored. That those who know Christ are favored. That those who know Christ are called his child. And will one day get to join in a celebration that will never end. In a few short days or hours, however you look at it, the Christmas celebrations will be over. But we will get to be a part of a celebration that never ends. We can celebrate daily. We can have joy in our daily life. We can have joy when it's stormy and windy outside. We can have joy when the relatives or the arguments are ensuing. We can have joy in the midst of all of these circumstances because those who know Christ have been favored by him. What a beautiful reality. If you're a believer today and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are greatly favored in the sight of God. And one day you will worship him you will sing these praises. You will celebrate as Mary did in the glory, in the presence of our Savior.
that generations from all over the earth will stand together at the throne of God and proclaim that we are blessed. What greater comfort could there be than this comfort from God? What greater joy could be felt than that which flows from his heart? Forevermore we will proclaim the comfort and joy that flows from the knowledge and favor, the knowledge of being favored by God. So today as we go from here, we can celebrate. We can be joyful, knowing that we are his and he has come to save us. Let's pray. Father, Lord, this is a glorious reality. Lord, we would have nothing to celebrate if we did not have you. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus, for sending him to earth to save, that we could find joy, that we could be comforted in the midst of our brokenness. Thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to glorify you and give you the praise that you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.